0: you're listening to war dogs podcast during the vietnam war through the hours of darkness over 500 sentry dogs and their handlers patrolled along the perimeters of u.s air force bases these are their stories here's your host tom shambo hello i'm tom shambo and this is the war dogs podcast today i'm speaking with bill fisher He served from February 1967 to February 1968 in the 35th Security Police Squadron, K-9 Division, at Phan Rang, Vietnam. Good morning, Bill, and welcome to the podcast. So go ahead and start out with where you were at, where you were stationed at, what interested you in K-9, how you got involved.
1: went to basic training down at Lackland Air. Air Force Base. Uh, was not given the option of, of a particular uh, vocation or MOS. I went through BASIC, and then at the end of BASIC, we were all gathered in the barracks and uh, PI, handed out uh, our orders to each of us, and uh, told us what we, were to, what we were going to do and where we were going for our first duty station. So mine was security police at East Air Force Base in New Hampshire. And that's where my first duty station was. Got there at the end of August of uh, 1966. There was assigned to walking around 52s. Very boring job. Just guarding the 52s all day. Somebody came along and was looking for volunteers up for be uh, dog hammers, sent your dog hammers, with the understanding that if you volunteer, you're going to be shift out to Southeast, southeast Asia. I, I volunteered. Uh, I left uh, these Air Force Base in November, 1966, wound up down the Lackland Air Force Base for my, um, for my training, the dog handler training and the combat training. Back then, our dog handler training was, um, was formed by uh, a joint only in Air Force, uh, NCOs, combat training the same way. After dog handler training, we had two weeks of combat training. Once I was down there, once I was down there, I might have gotten the order before I went down, but I was uh, given orders to uh, order Fan Rank Vietnam. Training at uh, Icon Air Force Base was, uh, was thorough. Dogs were trained at the same time the handlers were trained. It was efficient from that standpoint. They we're both getting training at the same time. I went through a couple dogs, might have had three dogs on there. First dog pointed out, he just wasn't, uh, just didn't want to walk all night. Uh, he popped down during one of our patrols and uh, night patrols and decided he was going to go to sleep. He was just a very docile animal. He flunked out. Fortunately, I think he pointed out. At the right time. But after that, I was given another dog handed to me by a uh, army private, and his sleeve was ripped. And I thought, "Oh, this is good." And this dog was known for uh, being aggressive and turning on the trainer. So, knowing that, I liked the dog a lot. He was, if I had had him in Vietnam. He was excellent at protecting uh, anybody. He, he had a mind of his own. I was careful with him, as careful, careful as I could. He would devise these tricks, ways to get back to me and, and be able to fight me. Uh, I had him on short leash, specifically because I wanted to make sure that he does what I needed him to do and not uh, come back to me and harm me. He he seemed very docile. He was playing the docile uh animal and he was doing everything he was taught to do. And he turns and slowly walks back to me and bites me. Slowly walked back to me to so I wouldn't think anything was up. And when he got to me, in the leg. But I like the dog. Same as Bo. I don't know where he went, but uh, whoever got him. Um, if he made it through, whoever got him uh would have gotten a, an excellent sentry dog from the standpoint of me, it wouldn't affect somebody. Now, I can't remember exactly what dog I had after Bo. I might have had Bo to the end, I, I don't remember. But uh then it was time to be shipped over to Vietnam. This is February. And my parents got a German Shepherd dog. I think it was because I was shipping out to Vietnam and this dog handler. They kinda wanted that dog, as a you know, as something that would make me feel good. That dog was a little puppy, and I left. I mean, real small puppy, uh, about eight weeks old. I got a picture of me holding him in my blues, ready for my travel. Went out to the airport, got on the plane, brought to Travis Air, well, flew out to San Francisco, then got a bus to Travis, Travis, and uh, um I was flown over to uh and about an eighteen hour flight and landed at Conute everything was it was it was like a different world um but it's a good experience uh, it was a great experience because I just got to see how other cultures live um so, at any rate, got the tonssinute and then was taken to a place where we were um given instructions as to what to do next, and then was flown out to fan uh, Rang on a c one thirty here where I flew uh over there, and I didn't fly that often whenever I flew. I wound up catching a ride on a c one thirty and uh that was interesting. Um, some of those rides would stop at little, little um, outposts. which have dirt runways, and uh, I got a real sense of how versatile that uh, aircraft is. They land, they drop some stuff off, and then they're off again. Either way, so at any rate wound up um, reaching fan uh, At that time, we also had. Our bunks were in uh, hut type things, hut type uh, dwellings. We so had the canvas tent type uh, over your head. Our mess hall was uh, basically in a tent. Uh, at any rate, I'm trying to remember exactly when I went out to the I can't remember exactly how this worked. It would have been. One of the first days I was there, um, I caught right out to the kennels during the daytime. At that point in time, River was in charge of signing my dog, and my first dog was Wolf. I say first dog because I I wound up with two dogs over there. Wolf and I were together from about February 1967 to uh, June or July. 67. Um, he was he was a good dog. Um, he wasn't it wasn't difficult to gain his trust. I spent a day talking to him, giving him little cool treats, things like that, in getting him to trust me, and uh, there was no problem with that. Then um, uh, we went out on patrol. At first week of patrol, you're we you're eight, well you're, I was nineteen at this time I'm looking at at all these out there and you have you have all these guys that you're with in the unit but when you're out there a lot of times you're alone it, you're not with a group of people if something happens you're there by yourself you and your dog out to the left of you to the right of you would be other dog handlers. Usually, you didn't see them. Behind you, there may be towers um, uh, with, um, with uh, security police, any M60 machine guns. But you didn't pay a lot of attention to them. Your job was to detect uh, any intruders. And where we were, well, Vietnam, uh, we were told that uh, we had a price on our heads. And uh, I kind of believe that it might have, because, because during the year, um, there would be Vietnamese uh, that would come up, fire a few rounds at, at some of our dog hammers. I don't know of any of our dog handlers that were hit by enemy fire, uh, that type of fire. We did have uh, hammers killed during the war, and we had one killed when I was there at Pan Rang, but but he wasn't killed by enemy fire. One of the three was, but that wasn't from a sniper. But you're out there and you're you're aware of the fact that that your job is to detect the enemy trying to uh, sneak onto the base, to infiltrate the base and kill Americans or Uh, blow up airplanes, or do any other type of damage. So you're in combat. And you're in combat every time you went out on patrol, which was almost every night. You may not fire your weapon, it's a combat patrol, because you could at any moment be involved in a firefight, at any moment. So my first couple nights went out there. I can remember my first night. There were some wild boars someplace, and they were making noises. Scared the crud out of me. I got through that. Then about the third or fourth night, my first week there, me the way dogs tell us, that he detected somebody. That there was somebody at the corner. Our value is to, uh, uh, is to detect, report that detection. Um, I did that. But I was so scared. The first um, first time I uh, detected anything, I radioed it in. I know my voice was shaking, but I did it. And then Wolf and I started uh, making our way to the perimeter. Well, you try. To, you want to find whoever's out there before they find you. If it's an enemy, you don't want the enemy to find you first. I was so scared. I had, I had to mentally force my legs to move. I did that, and I was fortunate in that it turned out to be a friendly. I don't remember what the person was doing out there on the perimeter, but it was somebody with a, that um, said he was checking the wire. It was an American, but uh, scared the heck out of me. And I realized at that time. If I'm going to survive this year, I have to, I have to gain control of my fear. So I learned that I can push that feeling deep down inside. What I learned later is when you push those feelings deep down inside, there's other feelings to push down inside. And at any rate, so I, I was able to do that, and fear is always with you. In the future, future uh, incidents, I was able to do my job without I mean, fear, almost paralyzing. I was able to do my job well. Uh, now there were times when fear did uh, well up. One time in particular, when Wolf detected somebody in the trees off the northern of perimeter. I, I saw where he was taken, and I realized I'm going to be in a much brighter area than um, whoever is out there, and I had to stop, I had to lay down in the grass, because the fear was coming back, I could feel that, so I composed myself, and then was able to do my job. Are we going where you want to go?
0: Yeah, tell me the time that you got into the gunfight where Wolf lost his hearing.
1: We actually didn't have any. Um, there was actually um, no shots fired at that time. Wolf, um, we were on the western perimeter, and this particular perimeter, there was a lot of trees. There was um, you had the concertina wire, and then right after the Constantina wire, it's very thick brush. You couldn't see more than six inches past that concertina wire. Where I was, the post I was on that I was patrolling, is exactly where you want to come through if you're going to attack either the fire base. We first had a fire base on our, on our base, um, and or uh, if you wanted to attack the bomb dump, you coming through this post. So Wolf tells me somebody's out there. We go, we start making our way. When we get close to the perimeter, I can hear somebody on the other side. Um, I can hear their footsteps. Then I realize they may be coming through because what they did, what happened was uh, they hit a trip flare, and all of a sudden that brilliant white light comes filtering through uh, the uh, uh, the vegetation. I still can't see anybody on the other side, but I can hear them. They're there, and there's nobody, there's no reason for anybody who might be out, like a Army trooper out browsing around and then, when you get back on the base, this isn't where you'd be telling, coming through if, if you're doing something like that. Chances are not a friendly. So uh, I, I radioed it in. We had a lieutenant at the time. I can't remember his name, but he asked for status. I gave him status. But I looked to the right and I looked to the left and it was very dark in amongst those trees. And I realized they can come through on either side and if they do, uh, Wolf and I are going to be trapped up against the terms of wire. So I moved Wolf and I back out of those trees on the spot uh, where I had a uh, open field of fire and waited. I had radioed it in so everybody knew uh, what uh, had detected. What I didn't realize was there was a little hill just left of us. What I didn't realize is I put us right next to the fire base. That firebase opened up and fired directly over our heads. The sound was just horrible. It was um, it it was type of sound that can that can uh, damage you, and it did. Wolf was in horrible pain. We had there's a little tree there, about I don't know, maybe a quarter inch in diameter. He get through it. Uh, sound we had a very high pitch, shrill, uh, very loud, and followed immediately by a concussion, type sound. So I figured that's the shell, and then what we're hearing after that is the uh, powder that went off that's throwing that shell out the barrel. It wouldn't have been firing at at. What that anybody at the pre- people Wolf and I detected, because that's too close. But we may have detected a smaller unit that broke off from the bigger unit. In other words, a, um, a small unit of sappers or something like that. Those, if they were sappers, they knew they had been detected. So they did not have the element of surprise on their side. They would have known that. They certainly would have been able to hear me as I radioed it in. I was right there, right at the wire. You had Wolf and I there, and you had them running into the trip player. And um, I think it may well have been sappers that, that um, decided to call it off because they had been detected. It would have been difficult for them to have made it past the towers. Uh, we did our job. Next day, Sergeant Wright came out when I was on patrol, and uh, next night, Sergeant Wright came out, came out was on patrol. He had known what had happened, and uh, as far as the as far as the artillery, when I got got off uh, that morning, I felt my my ear felt like it was bleeding, but I couldn't get any blood out of it when I was my ear in. I think it was probably uh, damage that was bleeding on the inside. I did have a doctor later tell me that the eardrum looked like it had been damaged. At any rate, um, that day, um, or that that evening, also be the next evening, uh, Sergeant Wright came out and he made himself look like a bush by just squatting down. Uh, he was he was running a test, and wolf walked right up to him. Never did detect, it, never did indicate that he detected anybody. And so uh, that's when they made the decision to he's a nice wolf. Um, and uh, uh, I wound up getting uh, Rex. Uh, I don't remember if this was, it was that day after <clears throat> uh he had tested this, or first a couple of days I can't remember but I will to do um a couple of um, probably about three. Uh, one was I was I was to go up. I'm trying to remember exactly when this occurred. This was actually written up in one of the Stars and Stripes or something, but I night, somebody showed it to me. I haven't able find it since, but hit on our southern perimeter, you remember you had that small river or stream that went along, and we were hit on our southern perimeter. Well, we were trucked out to our posts um in basically in shifts. You'd have one group that would be trucked out, and then. Shortly after another group trucked out, and you had um uh, ambush teams um we would have ambush teams not not dog gamlers but uh security police would have ambush teams that would, would take up positions on on some of these posts well uh that night one night um we were attacked, and it was a two prong attack. Post I was to be um, patrolling, was attacked, before I was trucked out there. And then the post next to it was attacked. The snake man's name, I forget. The uh, guy that caught snakes. Anyway, any the only reason I mention that is because he was involved in this too. Uh, I, uh, I was being trucked out, and the firefight was ongoing right at that time. You hear it on the radio, and you can see the tracers as, as we're approaching. Um, but by the time I got there, the firefight had just ended, and the radio wasn't working. I don't know if the enemy was able to suppress our radios some way. They might have been able to. Because I think that happened two, or three times we were out there. But the radios weren't working. I asked, my radio wasn't working, when I got off the truck, I asked the guys that are in the tower was right there to let the uh, ambush team know I'm coming out. The problem was where I was, the the uh, render, uh on the northern side went east and west, then made a turn uh, to come to north and then made another turn now they're going east west again. So there's a turn there. And there was a old um ice paddy there I think and it was always wet. They are always standing on water there. Um but that's one of the places they hit and they hit the post next to it. and Eagleton. That's what I'm thinking of. At any rate um I asked them to to uh, radio out to the ambush team that uh, uh, I'm coming out. The ambush team didn't know I was coming out, and there was this tall grass, this elephant grass, that was up to the, my neck, and I had to go through that. I didn't know where ambush team was. I didn't know where. Uh, the enemy force was, and I had to go out there and and hopefully um, find uh, the enemy force before they found me, or find the ambush team, and uh, hope that they don't, I hope they know who I am, they don't shoot me. So I'm coming through, this, this my... My dog Rex did something he never did before, never did after. I heard him. I'm in the middle of this tall grass, this elephant grass. I heard a rifle bolt. Well, it's either our ambush team or it's it's the enemy. I have to make an immediate decision. Uh, If I fire and it's the ambush team, I could kill one of our own guys, and they'd probably get return fire, and I'd probably on too. If it's, if it's the enemy and I don't fire, then I can get killed. Whoever it is out there knew I was there. So Rex, he had never done this before, never did it after. And why he did this, I have no idea. But he jumped straight up as high as he could. He got his head above that elephant crest. Right then I heard somebody say, don't fire. It's a dog hammer. They had me. They were nervous. They were just in a fire fight. You know, I was saved by Rex. He he saved my life that night. So, at any rate, uh, uh, it, it was an interesting night, but Ken Eagleton was also involved in that. Uh, what he was asked to do was he was asked to uh, check behind the wire towards the flight line to see if Anybody had gotten through to see if he could find anybody. That may have gotten through, so you can talk to him about that part of it. Yeah. But for the other people that uh, may be listening to this, and haven't ever been in this type of a situation. Uh, it's so different. The world was so different than back at home, and. Um you wind up with, you think back, you think that all of this really happened? Yeah, it did happen. This was how life was for you and I and our friends, our buddies. And I just, um, uh, last Friday, spoke to 100 um, high school students. About the military experience, there was fifty veterans that were, uh, that were invited, and um, I spoke to a hundred of the kids. And trying to get across to them, well, one thing I I wanted to get across to them is why so many veterans um, have a hard time after their military experience. They may be homeless. Uh, a lot of veterans commit suicides. So I went into um, went into the uh, fact that that you you have all these experiences that are so so far, so, so different, and you wind up um, with feelings and that that stay with you and never leave you. last year through four months of, or maybe five months of PTSD therapy uh, given by the VA because um, this issue or this uh, incident where I lost Wolf it had bothered me for over 50 years. The reason it bothered me is because I always blame myself for putting us down where I did right next to the car base. And if I hadn't put us there, he might not have. He might not have uh, been injured. He might might have lasted a little while longer. Now he's a dog, so he's he's not going to last near as long as we do. But he was also my partner, and my partner got hurt because of a decision I made uh, during this during this. Um, therapy. Uh, we kept going over and over and over that, um, that incident. And during this therapy, um, I had a, a nightmare. night. So I thought, I'm going backwards. So I, I sent a secure email to my therapist, psychologist, and explained it to him. He says, no, that's actually a break. Said so the reason is is because that fear that you pushed down inside. Remember when you said you had this fear and you're going to have to control that or you're never going to last? And you had this horrible fear that first uh time your dog alerted. You said that stay has stayed with you. You may not know it, but it has always been inside of. And he says, "What's happened is that fear has come out. My nightmare was that that particular incident. Um, I could see it in my mind. I could see a, a rifle barrel sticking out of that dense vegetation, right at the uh, right at the perimeter wire, and I could see it being fired. And I could see the bullet in slow motion come towards me." As I'm walking away, uh, and it hits me in the left shoulder area, my back. Right then, I muscle spasm networks. He said, what that is, is that's that fear coming out, and forward, coming from deep within. And once I finished that therapy, I felt so much better. I, I do now. So my point is, is that. These these experiences were. This was a tough life. I don't think I realized it at the time. But it was a tough life. Um, other other things such as the uh, barber putting his straight razor to my throat. You know, I tried to laugh it that off or or tried to forget it. But you put all this stuff together, and, and it adds up to. Um, it was a hardcore area, it was a hard life. We were out there. And uh think about
0: we're 19-year-old kids and experiencing things we'd never experienced in our life. Yeah. in the middle of a jungle in the dark
1: with our dog that we relied on every night. Uh, that's a hard experience to relate to anybody back in the States. Yes. <clears throat> Uh, I can tell you that it changed my life. I, in my case, I changed for the better, because um, so I was able to do things after I got out of the military that I would never thought I'd do. Uh, and I know it's because of of uh, the uh, what I learned and the discipline I acquired. Um, and yeah, I- <laughs>
0: I hear that same thing from a number of vets, that uh, when they got home, they were capable of doing things they never thought they would be capable of doing. And it all related back to things that we did in Vietnam. Bill, thank you for your time today. And thank you, the audience, for listening to War Dogs Podcast.